Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for October 24th, 2017, and six-game slate. So I think this is probably going to be another more of a GPP slate. Uh, There's not really a ton of value, but I do think there's some interesting stack spots that we can make good tournament lineups with. And the first game on the slate is one of those games that we could definitely stack. The Brooklyn Nets at the Orlando Magic. So for the Magic, Aaron Gordon is expected to play with a sprained ankle. Alfred Payton has missed the last few games with an injury. Uh, I forget what the injury is, but he is uh, he has been ruled out for tomorrow, so he's not playing. So with that said, Matt, what is the spread and the over-under for this game? This game is a pretty crazy over-under. It's at 229. I think that's probably a little bit high. I think the sharp money will probably bet that down just a bit, but it's still going to be the highest total on the slate for sure. And then the Magic open as three-and-a-half-point favorites. They're now up to four. And I would guess that number goes up a little bit more because Aaron Gordon wasn't initially 100% active uh, when this line came out. But now that we know he'll be in, the line is moving a little bit towards Orlando. And then as far as figuring out who to use for the game, well, first of all, I agree with you. This is more of a GBP-oriented night because there isn't any one player who is taking over for a player that's out, uh, an injury impact where we have someone who's really underpriced in the lineup. There's just, there's not really any of that going on. So maybe that'll change if there's some injury news that comes about before, before lock. But as of now, it's just like, we can figure out some spots to stack and there are a lot of high variance sort of players on the slate. So probably not even any cash for me unless something changes, but there are some pretty good GPP spots. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's the inverse of what we had last night, or I guess tonight, because uh, this isn't live. People are not listening to this live. Uh, this is it's live for recorded. us. Yeah, well, for us it is live because we're actually talking right now. But the, uh, so I mean, like last night for me was more GPP just because there was way too many value plays and it was hard for me to figure out which were the ones I definitely wanted for cash games and I wanted exposure to everybody. And this is kind of the opposite where there's just not a lot of value plays. Uh, but either way, I think it's kind of, going to be similar strategies in terms of stacking games that I used last night. Uh, just, uh, It's just going to be a much lower scoring night than last night was. On this game so, specifically, though, I think the Nets are just a hard team to use for cash anyway because of the way they mix up their minutes. So there's just a lot of guys that play roughly half the game. And with a lot of uncertainty with the rotation, I guess the Nets kind of go with the hot hand a little bit, just try to keep the lineup in that's doing well. I think I've seen that a little bit through their first few games. It's kind of hard to know how the playing time is going to shake out before a game starts. So it kind of just is a GPP-only team, I think. The prices just aren't that low for them. Yeah, part of it is just kind of the philosophy of what Kenny Kenny Atkinson does. We saw this from last year also where just nobody on the Nets was averaging over 30 minutes a game. Just everybody was kind of like mid-20s to high-20s minutes, and he just plays a deep bench. So... Even like so, D'Angelo Russell's at seventy eight hundred. I think he's usable for GPPs, but it's not a great value. He just has a lot of upside because he can have a crazy game. But he his minutes so far this year, he's averaging twenty eight minutes per game. He's played just not a lot of minutes to where we could really say for sure like oh he's gonna have a great game. He does have the usage boost since Len since Lynn got hurt. I do th- I think that there is one fairly strong play on the Nets, and that's Karis LeVert at five thousand. So Levert started the Nets last game, and he played 30 minutes. So Levert at um, a 5,000 price tag 
he's somebody who averages about a fantasy point per minute. So if we're going to put him at 30 minutes, that would be somewhere around 30 fantasy points in a neutral matchup. And then probably a little bit of a boost upwards just because this is a plus matchup that's supposed to be that's expected to be really high scoring. So if we say like 31, 32 points for Levert at a 5,000 price tag, I think there's decent value there. And then I don't really think anybody else is like a really good value on the Nets. Just it's a stackable game because it's high scoring. Um, from the Orlando Magic side of the game, Aaron Gordon's back 6,900. That's a really high price tag for him. It's the highest that he's ever been priced. But once again, with the plus matchup, I think that you could stack him. He makes sense. I think Vucevic at 8,300, I, I think he's a decent fade in GPPs. I think he's going to be really high-owned because of his last couple games. But a lot of the reason why he was scoring so well and putting up such ridiculous numbers was because Aaron Gordon was out. Now Gordon's back, so it's going to mean a little bit less usage for Vucevic. He's going to have a harder time getting rebounds. I prefer Aaron Gordon at 6,900 to Vucevic. And then uh, I think Terrence Ross at 4,400 also makes a little bit of sense. He gets a little bit of a usage boost with, uh, with Alfred Payton out. He only played 22 minutes in their last game. But 31 minutes in the opener, 30 minutes the game before. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Oh, it was because the last game was the blowout against the Cavs. Because, uh, of course, like we all thought the Magic blew out the Cavs <laughs> in the game. That's why, that's why that game was rosterable in cash, because the blowout rest. So I think that Terrence Ross at 4,400 and Aaron Gordon 6,900. And then maybe a little bit of Evan Fournier at 6,100. I think those are my favorite GPP plays. And I, I feel good about fading Vucevic and then just hoping he doesn't have another monster game. Do you feel similarly to that, Matt? Yeah, I definitely prefer Gordon to Vucevic for the much cheaper price. And then Vucevic, he's not priced down at all with Gordon returning to the lineup. So I think a lot of people may not realize that Vucevic, like you said, is benefit or was benefiting from Gordon being out, getting more usage that way, uh, probably getting more rebounds that way because Gordon wasn't there to snatch a few more of them. And then uh, one guy you didn't mention on the Nets, I think Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, while he's not the safest play, um, I like him a lot for GPPs. I wouldn't use him for cash, but we're not playing cash anyway. So Hollis Jefferson is another really good fantasy point per minute producer, and at only 5,200, I kind of view him similarly to Levert. Um, do you think that his rebounding ability will be hurt by this matchup? Because Vucevic and Gordon are a pretty good rebounding combo, and Hollis Jefferson being in the starting lineup will probably be going against the two of those guys a decent amount. So do you think the matchup hurts him at all, or just a normal situation for him the thing that i really struggle with with uh ronde hollis jefferson is just the minutes he's played 27 minutes 25 minutes and 19 minutes in the next three games this year so i think there's a very real chance that he only plays below 20 minutes trevor booker's had some decent games and played more minutes so while there are like there were games last year where I think that Hollis Jefferson did have like 30-plus, even maybe a couple 40-plus games in under 30 minutes. So it is possible. I just think he's really risky. So I don't have an issue with him being in a couple of GPP lineups, but I think for me they would definitely just have to be stacks of the Nets Magic game. Yeah, he also was in foul trouble last game too. I think he picked up his fourth foul just two or three minutes into the third quarter. So it could be a little bit misleading looking at the Nets' season stats. It led to probably more minutes for Trevor Booker in that game. And Booker's been fairly high-owned in maybe not all the Nets games, but at least the last one or two. So if I had to pick between those guys, it's definitely Hollis Jefferson. But I'll probably end up with some exposure to both anyway, because like you said, this is this is a spot to just stack the game with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of 
risk reward sort of decision making here for both teams. So the next game on the slate, we have a lot of blowout risk. It is the very bad Chicago Bulls against the very overrated Cleveland Cavaliers. But even though the Cavs are overrated, they still have LeBron James, and the Bulls are still a total dog shit team. So how many points are the Cavs favored by in this game, Matt? The line opened at Cavs minus 14. They're up to minus 14 and a half. And I will say that I think that this is a public move, not a sharp move. 85% of the bets so far are on Cleveland. I think that just looking at this game, most people will say there's almost no way that the Bulls can keep it close. They're just really, really awful. But I do think that we'll probably see a little bit of sharp money coming on Chicago because the Cavs are just overrated. Uh, they looked really good in their last game at Milwaukee, but without uh, without Isaiah Thomas, there's just it's just not a great roster outside of LeBron and Kevin Love. So I do don't think there's quite as much blowout risk as this line suggests. If I was making the line for the game, I'd probably put it at 12 to 13, somewhere in there. So I would say there's some blowout risk, but I would also say it's more likely to be a 6 to 12 point victory for Cleveland than it is to be like a 20 to 40 point victory for Cleveland. So with that said... I still don't really mind the Bulls' side of the game, like even for blowout reasons, because they don't have a lot of decent players. And guys like Laurie Markkinen is 5,700. He's been playing pretty well in the first couple games. And the Bulls have had really difficult matchups. They've played the Spurs and the Raptors. Markkinen's played well. And regardless of the final score, Markkinen's playing in the fourth quarter. If it's a close game, Markkinen's in. If the Bulls are down by 700 points, which well, that would be really ridiculous, Markkinen's still going to be in then. I feel the same way about Denzel Valentine at 4,000. Uh, he hasn't played a ton of minutes. He's been playing like 27-ish minutes per game this year. But he's also been dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury. So I think it's possible we see his minutes get ramped up a little bit as the year progresses. And then Jerry and Grant at 5,000 also. I think that he'll play decent minutes until Chris Dunn's back. I think all of them are fine plays. And then from the Cavs side of the game, even with the blowout risk, I think 10000 is just way too cheap of a price for LeBron James because nobody on this Bulls team could even remotely have a chance at guarding LeBron. I understand that that could be said about pretty much any player or most teams in the league, but it's either going to be like Markkinen's going to be guarding LeBron tomorrow or Justin Holiday. Those are just ridiculous mismatches. So I think LeBron has a decent chance to go over value even in just three quarters of play. And then I also think Kevin Love is a fine GPP play. Jay Crowder is a fine GPP play. So I think any of those guys are pretty decent plays. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Matt? And how will the potential blowout affect your ownership? Well, I definitely agree with you on Markkinen, although I probably don't agree that he'd still be in the game if the Bulls were down by 700 points. I think they'd probably take him out at that point. Um, but my feeling about the blowout risk, probably thinking it's less of a blowout risk than most people do, has me higher on LeBron than even what you were saying. So I agree with all of that, but I think it's a better spot for LeBron maybe than most people will realize because I don't think the Cavs will be up by too much at the end of this game. And even if they are, it'll probably be because LeBron played really well. So he could hit value in three quarters, but I'm not expecting him to be sitting for the whole fourth. So I like LeBron a lot. Kevin Love and Jay Crowder make sense there, but I think I'll be pretty heavy on LeBron for this slate, and I think most people will probably be paying up for different spots that we'll get to a couple of games from now. There's some other really high-priced players that will probably have a lot of ownership 
So I'm really high on LeBron for this spot. And I think it also helps him that Dwayne Wade is shifting to the bench because Wade takes a lot of shots. He's a high usage player, has the ball in his hands a lot. So with Wade being on the court for less time with LeBron, it could mean a couple extra shots for LeBron instead. So And Derrick Rose is that too, so that's another slight bump in usage. So I think all signs point for me uh, towards using a lot of LeBron James on this slate. No, I agree with that. And the other thing also is there isn't, there isn't like a Giannis-type player to pay up for on this slate. So LeBron has a ton of upside. People might avoid him due to the blowout risk. And I just don't think there's anybody who I look at as a guy to pay up for who's a definite, just total, guaranteed great play. So I think LeBron makes a lot of sense. The next game on the slate is the Knicks at the Celtics. Uh, another game with some blowout risk because as somebody who's watched a lot of Knicks games over the last couple of years, they stink. They are terrible. Um, so we have Porzingis is getting really expensive. He's at 8500 um, Matt and I were kind of talking back and forth about him a little bit before. His usage rate's been really high this year. He's in the mid-30%. He's getting a lot more shots. The issue with Porzingis, though, is that he's the same price as Carl Anthony Towns. And I just think Towns has probably a slightly better matchup with Miles Turner out. And I also just think that he's a better player than Porzingis. So I, I do think this is a good spot for Porzingis. I just think that due to the price of Towns also in his matchup, I'm probably going to be off KP for this one. My favorite play on the Knicks is going to be Tim Hardaway Jr. So Hardaway's gotten off to a really rocky start this year. But still, he's somebody who should have a pretty high usage this year. The Knicks invested a lot of money in him, so he's going to get the opportunity to play. And also, I mean, he started the year at 5,800, went down to 5,600. Now he's all the way down to 5,000. I think it's just a good buy low for Tim Hardaway. The minutes are very secure. We know that he's going to be taking a lot of shots. So I think, I think he's a strong play. Kylo Quinn at 4,200. He's always been a crazy good per-minute fantasy producer in DFS. He's probably only going to play 20 to 25 minutes. But with that said, he's somebody who puts up well over fantasy point per minute. So he, he's somebody who go over 30 fantasy points in 20-plus minutes. So he's worth the GPP flyer, in my opinion. Then on the Celtics side of the game, there's still a lot up in the air because we don't know the stars. We don't know the status of Marcus Smart. He's questionable to play with the ankle injuries. If he can't go, it's a it's a boost to really a lot of the to Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. All those guys get a slight bump up. The issue is just that the prices are up a little bit on everybody. I think Al Horford makes the most sense at 6,700. Just because I still think that he's better than guys like Tatum and Jalen Brown, but they're kind of priced in the same range. And then uh, Kyrie Irving, also at 8,700, I think is a decent play. Not really a ton of interest for me in Tatum or Brown at 6,000. And then also all this is contingent on the status of Smart also. So how do you feel about this game, Matt? I like the game a lot, I think, or at least a decent amount if Marcus Smart doesn't play because then we can use some Celtics in maybe slight underpriced spots. I think that they're pretty fairly priced otherwise if Marcus Smart is in. And then I agree with you on Porzingis. I guess that was that was my argument, if I remember correctly, that Towns is a better play for the same price. Uh, so I agree with, again, like we always do, agree with what we said before. Um, you agree with your idea. I agree with my own idea, for sure. Perfect. And uh, yeah, so that probably has me off Porzingis, but I also think you can just pay up for someone like LeBron anyway. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to use someone at the same price to fade Porzingis. Paying up for LeBron probably takes away from using other expensive guys too, even if it's not exactly the same price. 
So I think Porzingis is an okay play. Maybe if you're stacking this game, you can use Porzingis with some Celtics guys. But I do think there's a decent amount of blowout risk here. I think it's pretty comparable blowout risk, actually, to the Cleveland game. And it just doesn't project to be a very high-scoring game either. I think that this game has the lowest over-under on the slate. Uh, it's at it's at 209, which is actually the same number as the Cavs-Bulls game. So not a, not a crazy high-scoring game. And... What uh, One question that came up while you were talking is, do Tim Hardaway and Porzingis play most of their minutes together, or is there a lot of court time for them separately that I guess would increase both of their usage rates? They just both play a lot of minutes. Yeah, so I guess, well, is that a, is that a situation where you would want to use only one or the other for GPP upside? Like, do you think they're negatively or positively correlated? No, I think it's fine just because, well, number one, because Hardaway is fairly cheap. And the other thing also is just the way that Porzingis gets his points, a lot of it's uh, blocks and rebounds, whereas Hardaway is going to be a lot more three-pointers and points. So you could get like a 20-point, one steal, maybe two rebounds, two assists game from Hardaway where he hits value, and then Porzingis still gets like 20 points and then say like 12 rebounds and a few blocks blocks also so it sounds like you're saying there's no real correlation for them either side they're not it's, it's taking it's away from each other or they, they've played so few games together yeah well the the only reason that they would be even remotely positively correlated sounds like is because they both share the same blowout risk so if the Celtics are up by a lot they both would be out at the end of the game uh, I'm assuming that neither of them would play garbage time so in that sense if you're playing for a close game if you're predicting a close game and you want to stack the game then it probably does make sense to use both of them. But I do think I'll probably be mostly a fade here because there are just there are a few other better spots. Okay, so next game, Pacers, Timberwolves, another game with some blowout risk. So what is the spread on this game, Matt? The line for this game is minus 11 for Minnesota. The total is 217. And I think the Pacers, um, they played a little bit slower last game. But for the most part, they've been a really up-tempo team this year. And maybe that has a lot to do with Miles Turner being out. So they could be maybe a little bit different once he's back. But Turner is out. So at the very least, it's an easier matchup for Carl Anthony Towns, who we both mentioned before. So I like him a lot. And maybe I'm a little concerned there because of the blowout risk. But we're playing for GPP upside anyway. And I think there's a ton of upside with Towns. Yeah, so on the Pacer side of the game, I think Oladipo and Collison, usage boost for them with Miles Turner out. Uh, Demonis Sabonis had a decent game the last time out. Actually, he had a really good game, but still 4,600. That's a fade for me in this matchup. And then from the Timberwolves side of the game, I think the best plays are Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. Uh, I think if stacking this game, some kind of combination of Cat and Jimmy Buckets with uh, Oladipo and Collison, I think that makes sense. Uh, I think Jeff Teague and Wiggins, they're both a little expensive for me. I think the best values are Towns and Butler. Yeah, I think the Pacers are priced up a little too. 7200 for Oladipo, I think is the most he's cost this year. So I may not be stacking this game. I think that I'll just throw Townsend Butler into other stacks because there is the blowout risk. I don't think it's great value on the individual Pacers guys, but I do definitely agree with you that Butler, in addition to Towns, is a pretty good value. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with uh, I'm fine with Oladipo. He's been playing really well, especially without Turner. I think he had like 55 fantasy points in his last game. He's averaging around 40 for the season. So I think it's 7,200. 
Like, he was somebody who was in the 8,000 mark when he was back on the Magic, and I think he kind of is going to have a similar type of role this year. So even though the 7,200 is higher than where he started the season, I would think that he finishes the season with a higher price tag than 7,200 as opposed to a lower price tag. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess his price has gone up and maybe it should have gone up more. Um, I still probably wouldn't use Oladipo independently, but I definitely like him if you're stacking this game. I just, I'm not sure if I'll go this route because this game only has, I think it's the third highest total on the slate, and uh, the pricing seems a little bit softer for those other two spots. Uh, yeah, I think that makes, I do think that makes sense. The next game is a game that, uh, also, I think there's a lot of good fantasy potential in this one. We have the New Orleans Pelicans at the Portland Trailblazers. Of the high-paced games, this should be one of the more competitive ones. Uh, and then also, we just have a lot of really good players in this game. So there's there's the Nets uh, Magic game, which should be really high-paced and competitive, but is also has shitty players. This high-paced and competitive with good players. So what is the point total for this game, Matt? Uh, the spread is minus four and a half for Portland. So yeah, not a ton of risk of a blowout here. It should be a pretty competitive game. And the total has actually gone up already two and a half points from 219 to 221 and a half. So a pretty decent indicator of sharp action on the over, which is a good sign for stacks, obviously. Um, I like both sides of this game. Pricing could be an issue because both sides are pretty expensive and ownership could be kind of an issue too. Although there are so many high-priced players here that I guess most people can't use too many of them. And I think I probably won't use too many of them either because we've mentioned Towns, we've mentioned LeBron. Um, I guess it's more the cheaper guys in this game that could provide some real value. And I may end up fading DeMarcus Cousins because of the situation you were telling me about before, so maybe you want to weigh in there. Uh, but I definitely like a lot of the cheaper guys in this game. Yeah, so historically DeMarcus Cousins has just destroyed the Trailblazers. So a lot of that has been because the, the Blazers have just had really bad defense against big men in previous years. I don't think that's going to be the case this year anymore because they have Nurkic now. Nurkic was not a good defensive player when he was on the Nuggets, except he had a lot of issues with the coaching staff. He had a lot of motivational issues. I think he also wasn't in shape for a lot of his time in Denver. And the Portland Trailblazers' defensive numbers have been better when he's been on the court since he's gotten there. I think a lot of that has to do with his motivation. And also, he's a very skilled player. I think he matches up with Cousins really well. I think that there aren't a lot of players who have the size and strength of Cousins, and Nurkic is one of them. The one issue is that there's a lot of potential for Cousins to get in foul trouble in this matchup. There's a lot of potential for Nurkic to get in foul trouble in this matchup. So I do think that the matchup is a lot stronger for Davis. So if I have to pick between Pelicans big men, I think we're probably going to see Cousins guarded by Nurkic, like I was saying, and then I think Davis is probably going to be guarded by Al Farouk Aminu. And even though Aminu is a pretty solid defensive player, that's a huge edge for Davis. He is uh, just a big size and length advantage on Aminu. So I think that's a good spot for Davis. And then from the Pelican side of the game, Drew Holiday is averaging a little over 38 minutes per game. I think he's a good value play at only 6,500. And then Jameer Nelson, is only at 3,000. He's going to be coming off the bench, but he played, uh, I think, 26 minutes in the Pelicans last game. So he has a substantial role in their offense. There isn't a ton of value plays on the slate, so Jameer Nelson at 3,000 makes a lot of sense. And then from the Blazers' side of the game also, Evan Turner's at 4,300. He scored at least 25 fantasy points in each of their first three games. He's also played 
since McCollum came back, he played 32 minutes and then played 33 minutes. He only played 25 minutes in the opener, except they beat the Phoenix Suns by 50 points, so that was the reason for the reduced minutes. I think Evan Turner, not a player I love for real basketball, but playing over 30 minutes, and he's a pretty DFS-friendly game because he gets assists, he gets rebounds, he gets points. So I I think him at 4,300 is another pretty decent value play. So I think you could stack this game with, say, like Turner, Nelson, and then maybe like Drew Holiday, Davis, and then one of either Lillard or McCollum or Nurkic. And I think that makes for a good game stack that really isn't too expensive because of the cheap guys. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on using Davis over Cousins. I guess he's just a better player than Cousins, but the matchup for Cousins, like you were saying, makes a ton of sense. Nurkic could be a difficult matchup for Cousins, and then maybe they both end up in foul trouble. So if you're stacking this game, I wouldn't completely fade them. If you're making a bunch of lineups, use them in a couple at least. But using Davis and Cousins together is probably too difficult in terms of price anyway, but also they definitely take away from each other's shots. So I prefer Davis. I'll maybe use Cousins a little bit too in different lineups, but I think that the route to go is Davis, then either Lillard or McCollum, and then Evan Turner, I I agree with you, is a good value play. Maybe even Mo Harkless. And then with the Pelicans point guards, I guess Drew Holiday hasn't really played point guard. So Jameer Nelson and Holiday haven't been on the court a ton together, but then when they are on the court together – Nelson plays point guard and Holiday plays off the ball, so it looks like Holiday is going to have much lower usage as the off-ball guard, and that probably has me a little bit down on him. So I think I prefer Nelson for his price. I'll probably have some Holiday exposure, but I think Nelson is the better value play, and yeah, with uh, with so many expensive guys that we like, you're going to have to save some salary somewhere. So Nelson at min-price on DraftKings I think is a really good play. So I'll probably have him in a ton of stacks with Anthony Davis and the other guys in this game. Yeah, uh, I'll, once again, I'll agree with you agreeing with me. <laughs> um, the last game on the slate, really not a lot of interest in this one. It's the Utah Jazz at the LA Clippers. Um, I know Matt was telling me before that there's no spread on the game. We're not really sure why. Rodney Hood is questionable, but he's a pretty insignificant player to not have a Vegas line for. But still... The Utah Jazz, really good defensive team, best defensive team in the league, probably also played a really slow pace. So for that reason, I'm off the Clippers. But then from the Jazz side of the game, Rudy Gobert and Ricky Rubio are both pretty priced down for this matchup. So I think that they make a fine pairing, especially for GPP, because they have a lot of correlation. Other than that, I think this is the least interesting game on the slate. Uh, is there anything that stands out to you about it, Matt? Uh, I definitely also like the Rubio-Gobert combination. I wouldn't use one and not the other because they're probably going to be two of the most highly correlated players this season. From the Clippers, though, I think Gallo is probably semi-interesting. I would think the Jazz are a little bit worse defensively on the wing this year, especially without Gordon Hayward, but also Rodney Hood is questionable, so could be a bump for Gallo, I guess, if Hood doesn't play. So that's a situation to monitor a little bit. But overall, I agree with the sentiment that this is just not a game to use too much of. So that will wrap up today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at GErenbergDFS, and Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense.